Hey everyone, it's Kelvin from the My Letter to Science podcast. Um, I'd like to say I am so sorry for not uploading this third episode for some time. I had a conflict with summer research and other things happening in my life at the time. So um, it doesn't matter though, because I'm back and we're on schedule now. So I look forward to getting into this third episode discussing my sophomore year, how it was uh, with COVID and the lessons that I learned at the time. So, um, oh, also a brief synopsis of what I want you to take away from this episode is one, sort out your own motivations from outside influences. Uh, two, make sure that uh, you seek out mentors and not role models because um, not every role model that you have will have the capacity to mentor you. And then three, um, there's always a way, uh, even in the darkest of situations. So yeah, and this is not me being over-optimistic. But yeah, I digress. Anyway, take it easy. Hey, everyone. It's Kelvin from the My Letter to Science podcast. Wow, it has definitely been a while. Um, hmm, I can't even remember when I posted the second episode. That's telling because I was on a brief hiatus with uploading this third episode due to summer research conflicts. And then as well as other things uh, going on in my life. So it was a bit of a small break, but I'm back and we're going to be on schedule now. Um, <clears throat> I hope everybody's been doing well. The semester is about to start for me again in literally a week from today. So that's fun going into my senior year. And um, wow, it has been a long road. So let's get into this uh, third episode where I'm discussing my sophomore year. Um, I'm going to be honest, and I will say this fall semester will be wrapped up pretty fast in this episode, and I'll go into my spring semester because I feel like, you know, that was a big kumbaya moment that hit me over the head and really pushed me to where I'm at now. So, um, yeah. Um that summer before my sophomore year, I emailed three different PIs um, who were in three different research areas, but I wanted to make sure that each of these labs that I was emailing was something or that I was trying to get into was something that I'm interested in or had personal ties to. So um, oh, what's the word? So the first PI who is my current PI, I emailed him and we study specifically the late phase of the viral replication cycle in HIV-1. And we use tools like NMR and other biochemical tools, tools to um, investigate different aspects of this process. Um, the second PI I emailed was a medicinal chemistry PI who discovers, designs, and synthesizes uh, these enzyme inhibitors, so like these nucleotide enzyme inhibitors, and they're used in like chemotherapeutics or they have like antiviral and anti-cancer uh, like properties. Uh, then the third PI, um, <clears throat> she is in the chemical engineering department and she basically uh, uses like drug delivery and other like cellular approaches to study uh, glaucoma, how to treat that and also like retinal degeneration. So 
I emailed all three of them. Two said emailed them back in the fall, my current PI and the medicinal chemistry PI. And one of them said they couldn't take me. So heading into my sophomore year, that fall semester, I'd say the hardest part about that was the isolation because I didn't feel it as much being at home with my family while online for when COVID first hit. But this semester, I'm completely by myself. My roommate's not there. Like he moved out. And uh, oh, yeah, by the way, it wasn't because I was like some oddball or anything. But um, <clears throat> now I'm completely by myself. I'm just, you know, I'm just with the books. And um, I had a hard time adjusting the first week because even though some of my friends are on campus, like campus is completely dead. Nothing's open. Um, no activities. It's just constant. Uh, oh, did you test for COVID? today, uh, constant COVID updates in my email, um, having to test every single day. No, I think we have to test twice a week, actually. And um, I was only on campus because I had one class, but I also chose to be on campus because I just felt like um, being online completely, <coughs> I just did not like that first semester. So um, I got involved in what classes. So I was taking organic chemistry, calculus one, biology one, a gen chem lab, and then a speech course. And all of these courses were to fulfill some major requirement and pre-med requirements. And um, I'll say the hardest course for me that semester was probably organic chemistry and biology one. Uh, biology one, because it was a memorization heavy class, and I didn't know how to study for content heavy classes at the time. So, <clears throat> and then organic chemistry, um, it wasn't necessarily, uh, actually, you know, the class is hard, right? Um, but the hardest thing for me getting through that was like keeping my will and keeping my will like strong and making sure I was disciplined because I feel like with the negative rumors circulating around the class and then if you're not necessarily necessarily doing well straight off the bat, um, it will be easy to give up and just turn around and be like, okay, I guess medicine is not for me. Bye. And I didn't want that to be my case or any of my friends' cases. So uh, we really like dialed in and studied together pretty often to make sure that that would not be the case. And um, I would say, oh, the next two extracurriculars I got involved in was a mentorship program at this medical school where current MD-PhD students mentored undergraduate students. And I actually got paired with a UMBC alum. And the second activity I was involved in was, I mean, I was a um, peer mentor for the pre-med society per, uh, club at my university. And I chose that role because I wanted everything that I had learned up until this point and everything that I will continue to learn to be passed off to someone coming behind me because I wanted them to be in a way better position I was when I first came into undergrad. And um, I felt like those two roles within itself um, really set the foundation for a lot of what I believe in, in terms of... Um, how can I say this? In terms of what I'm passionate about outside of science or medicine, 
or like anything academic related. I, I feel like mentorship is a really, really important thing to have in this life because I think a lot of talented people, um, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of talented people, but because they weren't in the right environments or they didn't have uh, the right system around them to develop that, you know, it unfortunately wasn't applied to the correct situation. So um, that's one difference I wanted to make, Oh, not just within science and medicine, just but within my own life, just to provide active mentorship in general to everybody who I can or would accept from me. So um, now that semester, uh, it, was, it wasn't necessarily the hardest semester I've had. Uh, what made it hard was bouncing those STEM courses, also making sure that I stayed up to date with my mentee because, um, and then as well as meeting with my mentor constantly because uh, there'd be times where I'd have to meet with either of them and I'd be like, hey, can we push it back to next week or next next month? Because I had my own responsibilities to handle and I knew that I wouldn't be uh, in the space to give them the best, like to give 100% effort. So, um, yeah. Um, so my mentor, um, the UMBC alum, he was really cri critical for me uh, to have, uh, what's the word? to have learned from because I feel like I would not have been able to address my imposter syndrome and my anxiety about the future the way that I have now without learning from him. And um, one thing that he put in perspective for me was um, literally like keep your head down, do your work and everything will speak for itself. Instead of seeking notoriety or attention from my peers, by having these amazing or huge accomplishments. And um, <clears throat> and the reason why I felt like I had to do that at the time was because of my imposter syndrome, because I felt um, I was inadequate. Even though I was better academically, that first semester still haunted me. It was still fresh in my mind because it was literally a year ago. And um, I just felt like I had to do so much to prove myself to feel like, okay, I'm on the same level as everybody else, right? And um, one thing he told me was like, okay, like, who are you trying to prove this to? Like, what are you trying to prove? Like, are your motivations your own? And after reflecting on that, I realized a lot of, a lot of the internal decisions that I would tend to make or the motivations that I had, it wasn't based off of, oh, I want to be the best possible physician that I can be but rather, oh, okay, um, how can I accomplish what I want to do in undergrad and also be uh, known by my peers for being that guy or, uh, or that's a smart guy, right? And um, after I internalized that, I kid you not, like the image I can paint for you right now is literally imagine like you're driving with the car seat like straight up, right? Like not lean back in any type of way, just straight up chest nearly against the steering wheel. You're just driving like that. And then it's just me like uh, hitting the recliner option on the seat and just leaning back and driving in a more comfortable position and like taking a breath of fresh air. And <clears throat> uh, another thing I realized after that conversation with him was, um, my motivation to go straight through undergrad was not my own, but rather I felt like it was my parents and not be, 
in a negative way because I felt like my parents were keeping me on track, right? But um, at the time, I realized that, okay, would I admit myself to medical school? And I felt like I was not that type of applicant. I asked myself, do you feel like you would be at your strongest in a year from now, right? And the answer I had to that question was no. So I said, okay, do not apply this year. And um, it's, it, then as well as as soon as I made that decision, I just felt like another weight was lifted off of me. And I just, like, everything just got so much clearer. Like, I could breathe. <laughs> I could breathe better now. Like, it was calm. And um, that's when it became, that's when, like I, I, like, I kid you not, it was like, like, angels were singing in my ear. Like, studying became, like, less nerve-wracking. Like, I... I was, uh, what's the word, more motivated to to study, efficiently study ahead of time to make sure that, okay, I got enough sleep. Like, um, it was calm. So um, fast forwarding to the next semester, um, and a brief tidbit before you get, get into that spring semester, um, I meet with my PI, my current PI, for like an informal interview online um, because I did end up emailing him later in the fall, um, and the medicinal chemistry PI, but he was the one that said he actually had space to reserve for me uh, in the coming semester. So I joined uh, my current PI's lab where we study uh, the late phase, uh, the viral replication cycle in HIV-1. And um, he was like, okay, cool. Like, so what are your interests? What are your research interests specifically? Why did you choose to join my lab? Do you have any questions? And, um, oh yeah, this is me being completely honest. I just, I don't know what it was looking back. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it was. Right. But, um, that conversation was not science focused at all. Like instead I was asking him questions like, oh, how do you feel about like, uh, current, the current state of our country and things like that? Like, what's your point of view on the vaccine, right? And this is me being completely honest, right? Because um, one thing I was aware of was toxic lab cultures, right? And people being attracted by the science, but finding out too late that the people aren't the right type of people to work with. And I just felt like, okay, if I'm going to be working for this person in this person's research lab, like, I should at least agree on certain things or know certain things about them before I make my decision. And although I was very forward, probably inadvisably forward, um, I'm so happy that I asked those questions because he was honest and he wasn't afraid to answer those questions. And I think in that moment, that's when I knew like, okay, like I would definitely appreciate working in this lab because I knew the science would end up interesting me, having me intrigued and pulled in completely uh, sooner than later, but I just wanted to know if this was just the right fit. And even then, right, like uh, looking back on that matter now, like how could three different questions about the current state in our country even accurately show me whether this is the right research lab or not? But that's what I thought in my mind at the time. So um, he asked me, and uh, oh, and here's the current thing, right? So um, <clears throat> also another part of that conversation was, you know, he asked me like, okay, like 
where are you at academically, right? And like, what do you want to do? And I said, okay, I'm thinking about uh, an MD PhD. And he's like, okay, like, you know, where are you standing academically? And I explained to him um, like my current uh, cumulative. And he was like, oh, okay, I follow. But uh, just, I want you to keep in mind that students that have graduated from my lab have like 3.8s, 3.9s, right? So you have to work your way up to that. And I was saying, yeah, for sure, definitely, right? And he said, honestly, <clears throat> uh, you have two options before you, right? Um, you can either join my lab or um, you can just go hard for the next couple of semesters, get a summer research internship, and then just apply, right? And um, keep in mind, I felt like uh, that was a wake-up call that I needed Right. You know, him telling me that, OK, like where you measure up, it's not where other people who have the same interests as you are. Right. And <clears throat> for me, I was this is me being hard headed. I was like, OK. Um, hmm, like this stung. However, I'm still going to join his lab regardless. And not only will I learn everything I can and. Uh, gain as much experience as I possibly can, but he will see me improve at the same time. This is me reflecting on that situation now. At the time, I was just hard-headed, and I was just like, okay, well, like, I want to grow, and I'm not going to let this discourage me, but rather use this as motivation to push me forward. And that's what I did, so I joined the lab. <laughs> and um, now... <clears throat> Uh, I joined this research lab, but I didn't actually physically step into the lab until that summer because um, the research, like uh, the summer training is like 40 hours a week. So, uh, and it was full time. So I couldn't do it during classes. Um, so now that spring semester, um, the biggest highlight I would say um was not the extracurriculars I did, but um, what do you call this thing? Uh, not how well I did that semester, even though I did do well that semester. And um, what do you call this thing? Or just like uh, how like another semester being online was for me. But um, if I could boil it down, I'll, I'll boil it down to two moments. Okay, so um that semester i was taking organic chemistry to calculus to biology to organic chemistry lab and an aging studies course and i was doing this in addition to the mentorship program i was already a part of being a peer mentor for the pre-med society and i was also a learning assistant for general chemistry one and um <clears throat> during that time uh there was a scholarship program at my university that uh, funds um, underrepresented minorities to uh, who are interested in MD, PhDs or PhDs, right? And it wasn't just me applying, but uh, the rest, like a lot of my peers were applying, right? Like even my friends, right? And um, like I had already got my letters of recommendation, I applied and I got an interview. And, um, you know, during this time, like I'm telling my dad, like, hey, dad, pray for me. I'm telling my mom, pray for me. Like I have me and my cousin, 
Toby that I mentioned in the prior episode. Like we even did a mock interview. Um, my my um, older cousin slash brother, um, Ade, like he told me what he did prior to an interview, um, just like what his preparation style was, right? And um, I'm following everything to the T, right? Like, and mind you, like, like I said, I'm doing well that semester, right? So I'm dialed in to the T, like I'm locked in, right? And I get to the interview and I botch it. <laughs> I botch it. And the only reason why I'm able to laugh about this now is I just realized how much I did not know. Um, on the application, I put that I wanted an, an MD-PhD, right? But the questions that they asked me, it wasn't even that it was unfair questions, but rather um, these are questions that I should have been thinking about already, right? So uh, one of the questions they asked was, um, where do you see yourself 15 years from now, right? And this caught me completely off guard because... I was just like, um, the wow, the 15 years from now, I was like, oh, yeah, I see myself in residency. But they're like, okay, like, but where, though? Like, do you see yourself at, like, the NIH, at, at a teaching hospital, at an academic institution? Like, where? And in that moment, once I realized that I could not verbally explain where I saw myself going with this degree... I think that's when I realized, hey, like everything that you said you wanted to do, you still don't know enough about, right? And yeah, long story short, um, yeah, I even remember like my parents asked me like, oh, how'd it go? How'd it go? I was thinking, oh yeah, it went good for sure. You know, my friends asked me, oh, how, how'd it go? How'd it go? Oh yeah, it went good for sure. And I, I don't even think I told anybody this actually. So this would be the first time that anyone's probably hearing this, but um. I just realized like, wow, like I wasn't even mad that I got rejected from the program because I literally knew nothing uh, in detail about what I wanted to do with earning this MD PhD. And from that point on, right, I feel like uh, that moment in failure changed the trajectory of how um, I saw this pathway. And if anything, that was the single motivating factor that pushed me to go into this level of detail and uh, drive me um, to really go all in with developing myself to uh, go down this pathway. Because um, if I didn't receive that wake up call and, and that slap in the face about like, hey, like, do you really understand like what an MD PhD is, how long it takes, what are the opportunities as far as a career like, um, how they can impact uh, the public, and then as well as um, a basic science or, or 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 the clinical aspect, whatever it may be, like um, that moment completely shifted me in the direction that I should have been going in the first place. So um, I kid you not, like subconsciously, and you know the thing is, like even me realizing it now, like subconsciously, it added like this tick to me, where like, what do I mean by tick, like? I literally dove all in to um, finding out as much as I could about like, okay, like what is really the day to day of an um, physician scientist, of someone who has both degrees, 
right? What's the nitty gritty like? What are the challenges, right? And I find myself looking for podcasts, any information from the NIH, and I came across resources um, from the NIH where uh, they'd be like, uh, it's, it's that seminar, oh, what's an MD-PhD or is uh, MD-PhD, is it right for me? That seminar. Um, small YouTube videos. And I was just like, okay, like I, I listened to all of them, read through the articles and things like that. And I was just like, okay, but it's still not enough, right? Because all it was telling me was GPA, MCAT, outcomes, specialties, and uh, what's possible with the degree, right? But nobody was really talking about their experience through that training pathway. So then I come across this uh, podcast called Behind the Microscope. And it's these four Emory students in their MD-PhD program. And um, that changed my outlook on this pathway as well, right? And the one episode I will talk about in this episode of my podcast. So yeah, just a small plug uh, behind the microscope. You sh- I really think you should uh, anybody who listens to this, you should definitely take a look. But um, the episode that I listened to uh, that really struck me was uh, by Dr. Taku Kambayashi. Yeah, I, yeah, I believe that's his name. And he is a uh, researcher at Penn Medicine in their Institute of Lab of Pathology, I believe. And the title of the episode is uh, There's Always a Way, right? And um, so in that episode, um, he was talking about his path towards medicine and how um, he said, oh, in undergrad, uh, even though he had done all right during undergrad and he did good in his classes and then as well as on on the MCAT, because he was an international applicant, uh, his pre-med advisor told him, like, hey... um, I don't think you're getting into any spots, right? Because, you know, uh, for those of you who may know, international applicants, uh, <clears throat> there's a very small seat for them in current medical school classes. So he was saying, like, come on, come on. Like, like there has to be a way. Like, there is, there's no way that it's not possible for him to get into the profession that he wants. And his pre-med advisor said, no, hey, that's just the way it is, right? So he takes... So after he graduates from undergrad, he takes like three years off, but he's working as like a staff research scientist, right? And by and by coincidence, his dad played tennis with the director of Yale's MD-PhD program at the time. So his dad hooked him up and said, hey, uh, the director said, if you drive me to the airport one morning and you hand me your CV, um, maybe we can see what happens, right? And um, basically, he drives into the airport and he's like, oh, you should apply to MD-PhD programs, right? And basically, he was like, well, what? Like, what is that, right? And at the time, he had already fallen in love with research. And he was just like, okay, I should give it a try. And he does. And literally, during his interview with Emery's uh, director at the time, he literally calls them and... He calls the admissions and says, hey, you will be admitting this student right now. And he was. And he ended up finishing his uh, top, uh, his degree there. And the craziest thing about that episode is that I believe he got deported back to uh, 
he got deported to a different country and he had to finish his PhD in Europe. Like, yeah, it, it was just an insane episode to me. And in that moment, that literally um, justified like, okay, the resolve that I have right now, it is not crazy. The resolve that I have to achieve every single thing that I've set out to do is not insane. <laughs> and this might come off as weird, but rather um, I felt like that was such an inspiring moment for me because I understood that, okay, um, it's not necessarily about, um, or it's not just about talent, right? But it's really about the desire and the hard work that um, I seek to put in that'll really and, and also God that will really help my dreams come to fruition. And um, I believe that was this foundation of everything that I needed to really start going full force into uh, pursuing this MDPAC degree. Um, this is a very short and what's the word? Over exaggerated uh, simplification of like everything that I was feeling and the thoughts that I had in that moment, but to call, but to cover all of it, I would say these uh, moments were really what um, strived to like, that really sunk deeply in my heart and have been pushing me forward even to this current moment. So yeah, um, that's it for this episode. Uh, now I'll be touching on my junior year in the next episode and everything that came with that doing research full time over the summer then as well as um, what it was like being back in person for the first time. And I truly don't see myself not doing research anymore. And I feel like it's changed me in a way, but in a good way. So uh, yeah, I look forward to talking about it with all of you. And um, yeah, take it easy.